0: All right. Well, uh, that was a joyful experience. All sorts of technical difficulties. Like I said before, the joys of going live. And I have so much more respect for people that live stream really, really well, because it seems like every time I try to add something new, whether it's a new software thing or a new hardware thing, I always kind of run into these issues. And of course, it has to happen right away at 11:58 when i'm trying to go live at noon but i finally got it all restarted re-uploaded uh or reinstalled software and and all that stuff so it looks like we are finally live i do have a few people watching and we also have some comments so i uh i do appreciate it everybody is here and we have some comments rolling in we got uh ike we got the rainier guys we got art and uh yeah awesome i'm really really super happy to be here All right, before we get started, my name is Dave, and I do appreciate everybody for spending a few minutes of your day checking in. This is the QA, where we answer your questions, and by we, I mean me. I probably should stop saying that, but at the end of the month, I answer all the questions that I receive, either via comments or via email, and that email address is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. Send your questions in if you can't make the live show. We try to go live at the end of every month or about the Friday of the month, and in this case, it turns out to be uh, technically... November 3rd even though we're doing the October show so that being said you can email your shows you can do all that kind of, or email your questions to the show you can leave comments we interact and we generally kind of go and plus we give away a prize thanks to our sponsor Global Ordnance Global is my one-stop shop for all things ammo related and you can use the code GTAMMO to get free shipping on all of your case quantity orders. So anything over 200, you're gonna get free shipping with the code GTAMMO, and I'll put that in the show notes after the show goes live. After we're done with the live, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll have links, all that good stuff. So that's Global Ordnance, use code GTAMMO. All that being said, if you wanna support the channel, best way to do so is through our Patreon page. We generally appreciate that. That helps cover expenses such as hosting the podcast, memory cards all that good stuff and we do appreciate our top level supporters and then plus uh, they're going to give a little christmas present here coming up soon with some swag gear as well so that is all of the necessary stuff we have to do to keep the lights on hope everybody's doing well hope your halloween was great i uh i really enjoyed most of mine you know obviously there was a little bit of um stuff because that's just how halloween goes but we generally make a pretty big deal out of halloween we load up all the kids we Hook a trailer up to the side by side. We parade them around town, and parents can kind of hop in and on, uh, in and out between side by sides. Kids can hop on and off the trailer as we're kind of convoying through the neighborhoods. So it's generally a good time. I hope uh, Halloween has treated treated you well, and you kind of focused on some of the joy and the happiness. Like I always look back to when I was a kid, and I I know I'm dating myself, but in Minnesota we had a blizzard in 1991. It was like the Halloween of all Halloweens. Like literally, we are dragging our pillowcase full of candy through knee-high deep snow as the snow kept coming and coming. Uh, And I always remember that. And I just remember the joy and the energy. And I try to hopefully make those memories for my kids. So that's a little bit about me, personal stuff going on. I hope all is well with you. Let's uh, answer some questions. Let me throw up the emails here as well. And uh, we'll just kind of keep going. I got some comments. So I appreciate everything that you guys do to interact and connect. And this is literally one of my favorite things that I get to do every month. I wish, uh, I don't know, we might do it more often, you know, and we might try to do some live streams and and kind of go from there. Real quick for a housekeeping, uh, Leroy, if you are watching this, I did get your emails. You were the winner last month, but I do need a physical address for, we could, uh, for sending out some, uh, your prize. We cannot go to a PO box. So I did email you back. I'm not sure if it's a connection issue or uh, maybe I have the email wrong or something like that, but please shoot me a message with your physical and I want to make sure you get your prize out to you. All right. Boom. Got my emails queued up. Let's first go to the comments and boom. Dave's running late. Yep. We should be good. All right. This one's from art thought on the wing by antimatter industries. Uh, yes, it looks pretty cool. I kind of want to check it out now. I will be upfront. I don't necessarily rely on my thumb as much. I can't handle a, uh, a real item because of YouTube's social media policy. So I'll use this DeWalt screwdriver YouTube. You can clearly see that this is not what you don't want me to handle, but so anyways, we have kind of, uh, our high thumbs grip, right? And the antimatter is a wing that folds down, which is probably the best Integration of a gas pedal and a carry slash duty type gun that I've seen to date because normally when we add gas pedals We lose holster compatibility all that other stuff so this basically is a thing that bolts on to the flashlight and then it basically has a ledge that folds down for you to Rest your thumb on really really cool idea and concept and I'm probably gonna get one to check out regardless but for me how I handle my grip is I have kind of that high thumbs and I'm trying to stay close to the mic. I don't rely on a ton of downward thumb pressure, but a lot of people do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I kind of build my top fingers, bottom fingers, and inward thumb pressure to build my grip. So I don't really push a lot on it or in. Uh, I used to have like little pads that I would stipple on my side of my glocks and all that stuff. But as my grip has kind of evolved a little bit, this pad up here is kind of floating, if you will. And that's just kind of how I do it because I don't have gas pedals on a lot of my, you know, duty and carry guns. So therefore I haven't really built a grip that relies on a gas pedal. But now that we have this antimatter, I'm really interested. And what I like is that I can throw it on one light and potentially move that light around to different things. So I could try it on a bunch of different, you know, pistols. They make it for the full size X300, as well as the TLR7 for carry guns, which uh, is what my Staccato CS is currently rocking. So, Definitely think it's really cool. I know they're not the cheapest thing, but antimatter makes good quality stuff, and I definitely want to check one out. So that's kind of my quick thoughts. I'm pretty excited about it. I think it has a lot of uh, a really cool potential. Right. All right. Uh, let's get back to some more comments. And of there we go. Uh, that was from Art. Another one from Art. The BWC9 worth it or expensive range toy? Good question. I probably want to check one of those out too. I've checked it out at. NRA and SHOT Show. I did a short on it at SHOT Show. And truth be told, I don't know if the Zev thing's ever really going to come to light. And a lot of people are interested in that. So for this, you have to get your 320 fire control unit, but then you can drop it in. I'm probably going to SBR one. I know my friend Roger over at QBO Tactical, he has one in the queue. Uh, he's just waiting to receive it. And he already he's going through the NFA process. But I think it's kind of cool. Now, is it as practical? Is it worth it? I I don't know. I mean, is anything worth it? Like people ask me, like, is a staccato really worth it? Well, to me, the performance of a staccato is better than say a striker fired gun, but I can still be very capable and I'm very content and happy with a good quality, just a plain Jane Glock handgun, right? So is it worth it? Is it a range toy? I don't know. It really kind of depends, but I I still kind of want to play with one, right? Like I still like checking stuff out. So definitely, uh, not cheap though. You're probably going to be I don't know, almost 25, three grand. Cause I think it comes with an optic, which is pretty cool, but then you have to buy your fire control unit. You're going to have to put a stamp on it. So you're definitely going to have to wait and you're definitely going to have to, uh, say that it's worth, let's just call it with tax $3,000, right? $3,000 for a folding firearm. I don't know. It's, are you really in that truck category or, or whatever it might be? So three grand is a lot, but, uh, I have pistols that cost more that, Maybe I wouldn't shoot as much. I don't know. It just kind of depends, right? All right. We uh, we got one from Mitten State Defense. How do you feel about Shadow Systems? Good stuff. Shadow Systems is basically, for those of you guys that don't know, uh, they are an aftermarket polymer striker-fired firearm company. They basically took a lot of what the aftermarket was doing with Glock, and they came out with it in production guns. Uh, I actually, my first experience with them was several years ago. I bought one of their frames for a 19, And then I bought, uh, actually, I received a demo uh, DR920, which is their full size. And I had some students that they were issued those for their agency come through my class. And they, you know, they ran fine. They shot really well, all that. So I said, yeah, I want to kind of check one out. And since then, I've used it as a demo. And I've also had uh, students use it as their, uh, you know, as a loaner gun. And they've ran it. Like, I've had some students who come through a red dot class and they're like, hey, we don't have our gear yet. Or, hey, I'm dot curious do you have a gun I could try with a dot set up? And I would give them the shadow systems and it's ran great. So there is some proprietary parts. I know they changed a little bit with the extraction, uh, I believe, to accommodate for their optic. But their optic cut is really cool, how it has different mounts you can do. And basically it takes everything that people are doing in the Gucci Glock market and and doing that right from the factory with a warranty. So uh, good people, they stand by their product. I've been involved with some of their industry events and stuff too. And I've had really nothing but good experiences with Shadow. So, if you're looking for a striker fire uh firearm, I w- would highly recommend a Shadow Systems. They're doing a lot of things really right. And they their long slide version, uh I always get their nomenclature um you know basically kind of mixed up, but I I have no issues with this. Here, let me put uh do not disturb on. There we go. So I don't keep getting email notifications. So yeah, no no issues with shadow. Uh are they're, they're long slide. I think it's the 920L. Shot really really smooth. I really like that a lot. Good afternoon, Chris from the 740, and good afternoon from Matt. Uh, yeah, you got some snow too. It definitely was the blizzard to be talked about. So, what are some things to keep in mind while maintaining a duty rifle? This is from uh, D Tom American. Uh, those of you guys that know know that I'm not really huge on cleaning and maintenance. I'm just more of like, keep shooting it, add more lube, reload your mags, drive on. However, duty equipment does deserve to be, you know, maintained and taken care of, right? We, we all get that. So what I would do for my patrol rifle, uh, is I would basically, after a good training session, I would take it apart field strip. I'm not talking a detailed disassembly and I would clean it. We would wipe off the carrier, clean the major components uh I mean because the carrier you know is relatively easy to clean I would soak it in some slip 2000 carbon killer which I just so happen to have a new jar uh on the desk here but this stuff is awesome I throw the whole kit and caboodle in there let that kill all the carbon and then I can do my scrubbing and things like that and put it all back together then I'll clean out the receiver basically get rid of a bunch of the dirt clean off the bore, either use a good quality rod or a bore snake, try to clean out the chamber a little bit, uh, basically where the cat, excuse me, where the bolt lockup is, because that kind of gets really cruddy, clean off the feeding, uh, take a couple of swabs and clean out the lower receiver, lubricate it, do my function checks. And then if possible, I would actually test fire three rounds before returning. So usually what I would try to do is I would train, do my thing, I would clean it, and then if I was still at the range, I would put a couple of you know rounds in a mag, boom, 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 make sure I got locked back, make sure everything worked. And then I would basically be duty ready. So that's kind of what I did. Now, if you don't have the opportunity to do that, run your rifle in a training class without cleaning it. And just add lube, and you will start to trust a good quality rifle. They're very reliable, even when dirty. And in fact, for a while, my primary training gun was separate than my actual patrol rifle. Uh, I just neglected that thing, and I just shot it and shot it. And In one year, I shot several thousand rounds with no cleaning. Occasionally, I would take the carrier down, wipe it off the gunk. But otherwise, I would just keep going. And uh, I don't know if Dustin's here yet or not. But I finally wiped off my main Staccato P at a class that Dustin and I were at. I let him use that pistol. And well, we actually had a guest in that class who was kind enough to kind of take a look under the hood. Uh, it was actually the lead gunsmith from Staccato. Got to network with him, which was awesome. And I said, hey, man, you're going to be disappointed. Like, this thing has not been cleaned in thousands and thousands of rounds. And he's like, "No, oh, it's all good. I like it when when they're used. And you could see all the sludge that built up and I actually wiped it out finely. And even Dustin was like, dude, you told me it was dirty, but that thing was disgusting. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, but it, it kept running just fine. We wiped, wiped all the gunk off, added some lube and it ran. So that's kind of some stuff though. But for a duty pistol, uh, you know, obviously we want to keep things a little bit cleaner and good working order, but I like to test fire if I can. So, uh, again, I don't know if Dustin's here. He can comment to the to the testifying to that. Uh, Let's see, where were we? Where can you get good quality tactical gear? Uh, I'm not sure what exactly you're looking for, but my go-to soft goods, um, and obviously we're trying to carry more and more at Rainier, but my go-to soft goods stuff right now is defense mechanisms. Uh, I do have a code that... You want to save, you can go to the website gunsandtactics.com, search for defense mechanisms, and then I have like reviews of the MEPSI plate carrier or some of their gear. And they do have a code and a link that you can use. I believe it'll save you 10% off. But plate carriers, soft pouches, uh, I have not checked out their battle belt other than at a show. I'm going to order a battle belt here soon, but their stuff is just top notch. Uh, They are shooters, they are serious students of the gun, they train a lot, they do training. They have a lot, they take a lot of input from real world users as well. Like, they, in my opinion, are making super high quality gear, but they're also a small, nimble company. So, they're responsive to what their customers and end users want. They take that feedback to heart. So, Defense Mechanisms is my go to source for like plate carriers, soft gear, pouches, all that stuff. Pretty much most of the stuff I run. Now, STAC is another great company. Uh, I use their mag pouches. I use their mag pouches on duty. I have an STAC plate carrier uh, that's a very uh, simple but yet robust, good, durable plate carrier, and they make good gear as well. Actually, I do run one of their belts. My main training belt has been an STAC belt for a while, so uh, between defense mechanisms and STAC, those are generally my go-to, and holsters, it's either Safari Land, Blackhawk. so let, let me know what kind of gear you're looking for, and maybe I can kind of, uh, well, look at that, like a tactical uh, or load bearing vest. Yeah. Look at defense mechanisms. Uh, they have a chest rig, they have plate carriers, all sorts of really good stuff. And even if you don't think like, well, maybe I don't need a plate carrier. You can get a plate carrier and you can get handgun plates that are very inexpensive. That'll give you at least some level of body armor, level two, three, whatever, but it'll also add a little bit of rigidity. So you can have a little bit more of an enhanced chest rig. If you are thinking like, you know, I don't, I can't afford good quality rifle plates. Well, you can build up to that and those handgun plates will give the rigidity. So it stays in structure. Uh, so when you're drawing and, you know, getting gear, but yet at the same time, it offers you a little bit of ballistic protection from handgun rounds and it can still be a really good option. So, and then you can kind of have more room for pouches and stuff like that too. So I should do a plate carrier setup video, at least how I do mine. And you know, you guys can obviously take that for what it's worth, but, uh, you can check out my MEPC review on the channel. It's the um multi oh man, what does MEPC stand for? I'd have to Google what MEPC stands for, but it's the mission essential plate carrier. That's what it is from defense mechanisms. Really, really good. You can piece it together exactly how you want. Uh, this one is from Vaughn. Urban suburban fighting rifle preference, LPVO or dot plus magnifier. I'm an all LPVO dude. I don't dislike dot and magnifiers okay if you run one totally fine i'm not going to hound on anybody but for me i like the versatility of the lpvo just because it's simple it's all in one they can run red dot fast and one of my favorites for a simple is the Trigicon tr24 that big bright triangle works great in daylight it works good enough in low light Uh, it has good eye relief exit pupil field of view magnification range is nice simple no batteries, no fuss, no muss. I still really like that. That's a sweetheart of an LPVO that I really do feel is underrated. But what I like is that if I just need a little bit, I have a little bit. If I need a lot, I can crank it up to four. Whereas with the magnifier, it's all or nothing. Plus, they can be a little clunky unless you get the Unity mount, which I think the Unity mount is the best one because it just goes straight up and down. But now we're adding additional cost and things like that where I, I just generally like LPVOs. A good one to four, a good one to six. Uh, I don't even think you need a one to eight or one to 10, even though I know that they are out there now. But man, if I had to pick like my personal of like a zombie apocalypse, right? Or maybe other events, depending on how we're we're going with the world right now. But we'll just say zombie apocalypse because that's generally social media safe. If I had to pick one rifle, it would probably be a 12.5 or a 13.9 with a pinned. I mean, but am I really worried about NFA at that point? I Even mean, though All my stuff is totally NFA. I have an SOT. It's okay, ATF, if you're watching. But uh I would just do like a 12.5 with a 1 to 4 and a light, a sling, be done. And that would be generally pretty much everything I need. It's short enough to get around. It doesn't get overly long if you add a can, which a can is a really good thing to have. And then you can still uh, have, you know, three to 400 yards, no problem. So that is my thoughts on that. All right. We're going to answer email questions here real quick. Let me just check in with emails. And then looks like, Jay, uh, you are up for the comments. And uh, we're doing good. We have uh, some good people watching. We're getting some good check-ins here. All right. So let's see here. Uh, Kevin followed up last month about the, uh, the officer had that training issue after a picture was taken. Yeah, it, that's a messed up situation. That's an absolute messed up situation. All right. This one is from Summit. I did answer his. He was looking for the best one to six. Uh, The best is, in my opinion, the collis, but it's not cheap. Uh, Kevin's question is, when an instructor says something like, listen to me and nobody else, is that a sign that the instructor is a cult leader or is that a sign that the instructor knows better? Uh, The reality is, in my opinion, any instructor who says, listen to me and nobody else is closed minded. And is either way too cocky, ill-informed, not knowledgeable on other things, whatever. It's just not a good trait for any teacher. If you look at a teacher of any trait who says my way or the highway, they probably need to be more open for some other things. Uh, Now, if it's a very technical thing, like how to assemble this capacitor unit in this circuit board? Sure, there might be a very specific way, but when it comes to firearms and you have people who are 6'4", 300 pounds or 5'2", 110 pounds, we have to have different techniques, different gear, different ways, all that kind of stuff. Uh, When a cadet enters the academy after receiving competent training, should the cadet play dumb and humor the instructor, government instructor, or should the cadet perform honestly at their best? I say just perform at your best, but... That's just me, and then uh, when the government instructor speaks in nonsense and word salad, what should the cadets do? Uh, well, it kind of depends on that particular situation. So, obviously, they're in a, an academy, and they're probably going to be in a paramilitaristic militaristic type training situation. And sometimes, in that case, it's just best to go with the flow and do what you're told. And then, hopefully, they're smart enough to be able to, uh, you know, move move forward with that. Uh, should the training classes be recorded? Uh, I really don't care. I I've had people record me in my classes and the only thing I ask is just let me know because sometimes I talk about new products that are not available to the public yet in classes and I'm subject to like NDA so I just hey if you're going to record just let me know you're recording or you know make it obvious so that way I won't talk about certain things because obviously I don't want stuff getting leaked. But sometimes in my classes I do give kind of students a heads up or uh, I might have gear that I had to sign an NDA, but that company is okay with me using it so long as there's no pictures, video or whatever for me to kind of vet it and get feedback and stuff like that. So I have to make sure that some of that stuff doesn't leak out too. But uh, I just like to know about it. And then obviously I try not to cuss and swear generally, but you know, that kind of being said, because sometimes things get taken out of context and things you know, it's the internet. Everybody's an internet range safety officer. So, uh, what are some things the auditors can do to protect themselves against the government instructors that lie cheat, blah, blah, blah. Again, Kevin, I don't know where you're getting some of these experiences from. I don't know what it's like in Illinois, but number one, um, Even in all the peace officer classes and whatever, I generally have never seen an auditor come, so I don't know what those situations are leading to, to where some sort of a state, I'm assuming, auditor comes. And I don't know what the circumstances are, but yeah. And then uh, some other questions. When it comes to poor civilian instructors, the free market allows them to go bankrupt, but there's no such market solution for government instructors. Uh, Again, I don't know. What situations you're referring to, but yes, there are some instructors on the LE side that are stale, out of date. They need to update their technique. And and you're right, in the private sector, that wor- works itself out by demand and, you know, people signing up. But with uh, the government side, it's it's very it can be very difficult, right? I totally agree. Uh, let's see here. Would you explain the differences? How do you how would you help explain the differences between skills, tactics, and strategies to student and the role of each in a self-defense strategy? Well, that's a great question. Skills are things that I have, that I possess, that I'm able to do. I have skills to perform X, Y, and Z. Tactics is the methods that I go across and the strategy is basically the theory behind all of that and putting it to work, right? So uh, some of you know tactics and strategies I think is a little bit of a synonym depending on how we're looking at it. But skills are things that I have. And then also we have to look at what's available equipment, right? Because certain situations might dictate which firearm I'm carrying or what other equipment I have as part of my EDC, who I'm with, where I'm at. Do I have an exit strategy? Do I have a communication strategy? Like, man, that would maybe be a podcast all in of itself. So, hmm. I don't know. That's That's a really good one. Uh And then defense in depth or the elastic strategy applies to LE or is that exclusively a citizen and military strategy? Well, if it's good for citizens and military, it's probably good for everybody, right? But uh, the reality is the defense in depth uh, and we should all look at things in depth or like sometimes what I like to talk about is things of things like an onion, everything should have layers, but that again, we can kind of get more into the weeds. Uh, Yeah. So you have a lot of questions, Kevin. I just want to make sure if there were some ones I wanted to highlight and kind of go from there so we might have to check in here quick uh art sent an email uh and yes you did think of the firearms training associates which is the similar organization uh let's see here i've taken a few classes recently from instructors i highly respect that says thumbs forward where another says thumbs up all saying that'll it help with recoil management i don't think i put enough hours into the thumbs up well that kind of ties back into the uh antimatter device that we were talking about right and how you build grip uh i think different people obviously are going to have different structure and they'll have to build grip differently. So like when I'm teaching, I'll generally talk about like how we build tension, how I like to build tension on the gun, top fingers, bottom fingers, thumbs, and how we kind of build a 360 degree friction grip. And then what input that thumb may or may not have. Now the thumbs forward grip versus a thumbs high grip, without having a gas pedal isn't as effective well now we have an option so again it's okay to play around with it and adapt because of how our equipment works so it definitely kind of depends on everybody's structure and their even their grip strength the size of the gun how much mass they have behind it, all that comes into it. And everybody's grip needs to be their own and they have to figure out what works best for them with their platform. So we can uh, maybe do a separate video. Maybe that'll be a good winter one. I could try to remember to do something about like a grip building. So that's uh, not a bad option. Let me check back in with comments because I think we're definitely getting some comments kind of catching up. Uh, yeah, it looks like we're doing okay. So let me get back to JDZ. Do you think that rotating barrels will eventually be a future thing And your thoughts on how much it mitigates recoil? Uh, as far as the rotating barrels, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I know there was a couple of guns that already tried reciprocating barrels. Uh, obviously we know the Barrett does it. And so it's a, it can work to reduce recoil, right? But on a smaller scale, LWRC had their 45. Uh, there, there was a PCC. I can't remember what they had called it, but it was a 45 cal PCC and it had a reciprocating barrel. And when it worked, it was really cool, but then there was some issues. So there's a reason why I never got one is because when I would shoot them at a show, I'd be like, this thing's, no- Oh wait, now it stopped working. So I think we'll see. Uh, so as far as reciprocating or rotating barrels, time will tell, right? Time will tell. Uh, Oh no, now what did I do? Oh, had another technical scare there, technical scare. Your thoughts on the Glock performance trigger? Uh, I actually have one, it's still in the box. Uh, I have been shooting so many 2011, 1911s lately that I've kind of neglected my striker-fired stuff. I do have some agency contract stuff coming up that I'll be back to a striker-fired, so I will probably throw it in there. Now, Glock says it's too light, it's basically not... For carry slash duty. And I believe they did. I can't remember if they changed uh the man, somebody was telling me about it too. And I I don't have it in front of me. And I can't remember what they did. It still has a trigger safety, it still has the firing pin safety, but I believe they changed the spring the trigger spring a little bit. Uh, which is why they're saying that it's not that duty, you know, carry safety or whatever. So uh I don't know. I would definitely vet it a little bit. Now, if I were Glock. I like flat face triggers. Why don't they come out with the trigger bar with a flat face trigger? Take the Glock performance trigger bar and trigger and sell that separately. So that way you can have a duty carry solution with a flat face trigger from the factory an OEM part. Because I know a lot of departments have policies on uh, OEM parts. Like my agency, we, we were restricted to OEM parts or quality aftermarket. And that's how you know we would use even minus connectors and stuff like that. So it was uh, no big deal. Thoughts on bedding an AR barrel. Now, a lot of people are going to wonder what he means by that. And basically, we have the upper receiver, and then we have the barrel and the barrel extension, and it kind of slips in to the upper receiver. Now, some people will bed that with a Loctite, either a 243 or a sleeve-retaining compound, which generally is like green thread lockers, uh, in order to make sure that there's not as much Uh, play or an inconsistency because then when we put the barrel nut on we basically are sandwiching together surfaces but that barrel could still shift or move now a lot of upper receivers uh, basically require what's called thermal fitting where you try to put it in and it won't fit. You have to heat the receiver up, allowing the aluminum to swell, and then the barrel extension will sit in, and when it cools, it kind of comes back down, uh, which JP, I believe, was the first to do that on their upper receivers, and then the one of the first mainstream was Bravo Company with uh, their whatever gen upper receiver, and then it kind of became more of a thing where that was purposely undersized, but I believe the first upper receivers to do that was JP, but don't quote me. There might have been somebody else, but that's, I believe, the first, and that was a gamer thing, right? Now, do I think having a really tight fit between the upper receiver and the barrel makes a difference on accuracy? Yeah, probably, right? Consistency leads to accuracy, so it makes sense. And the fact that JP was doing it, JP, their rifles are stupid accurate, and they are stupid reliable. I don't care what anybody says about this whole gamer versus duty debate. A JP rifle is a very good, high-quality rifle, and their duty rifles are awesome, but... If they're doing it, there's reasons why you know it should be should be looked at. So it doesn't hurt anything except for me make removal of that barrel a little more difficult. So if it doesn't hurt anything and only has potential gains, I think you're just fine. Just don't uh, – you don't need to overdo it, right? Uh, hey, peeps, right back at you. And Chris, I think you're saying hi to somebody else. Uh, Swamp Fox Optics, to be determined, to be determined. I actually met the Swamp Fox guys at a recent trade show that I was at last week. And they are really interested in having me check out some optics. I had some questions about them, uh, about their quality, about their manufacturer, and they're trying to upgrade some of their stuff. They have some new stuff that is definitely geared more towards the hard use duty category. So to be determined, I have not really checked out their stuff in the past because I was just kind of critical of some of the entry-level Chinese-made optics in general because of durability testing. Now, if you want to talk about durability testing, talk to Aaron Cowan. That's his thing. I... I could try to replicate it, but then everyone's going to be like, you're just copying Aaron. I'm just going to let him do that. That's kind of his signature, and he does a great job at it. Uh, He also does the burndown, which is uh, the uh, accelerated uh, pacing, which may not be normally observed in a series of days, weeks, months, uh, or uh, years. All right, sorry. That's my little Aaron impression, but uh, he, he does that. I know he's done some of that with the... Swamp Fox and they haven't really fared the best. So maybe some of their new stuff that's a little more durable might fare a little bit better. So I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know if they send out anything and we get to try it. We can kind of go from there. All right. Is Lightspeed's lamb quality? Uh, I'm not super. Let me me switch screens and do some digging on that one because I want to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing and I don't want to say I'm not. Hmm. Lightspeed. I might not be familiar with the light speed. Do you mean laser speed? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I am might have to clarify in a comment because I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about with that one. Not familiar with light speed. So I'll have to do some digging on that. I don't want to steer you astray. Uh, how we doing? We still got our viewers, we still got people live. All right, let's loop back to some emails here quick and then we can go ahead and catch up on comments. But otherwise, how's your Friday, everybody? Hopefully, hopefully good, right? Hopefully good. All right, we had arts questions. We had uh, Kevin checking in again. What are what are some types? What man, I can't read today. What are some things that police officers can do when their department instructors teach harmful and wrong procedures to do things? Uh, in the free market, they would go bankrupt. You know all that other stuff. So yes, I totally agree. And the false method to clear a type three malfunction uh never work in real life well I will kind of debate you a little bit because I was actually at a class and I had a legit fail to extract and sure enough and the round was uh chewed up it was I don't know if it was a demo round or if it was something I picked up or whatever but I had a legit fail to extract and I did pull the magazine slide went forward reinsert rack and it worked so now yes that's not with duty ammo but not everybody every time needs to lock the slide strip rip 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 you know do all that stuff too so i do think there is more than one way to skin a cat when it comes to uh when it comes to a type 3 malfunction now a lot of people misdiagnose it as a double feed when in fact it's usually a fail to extract now if you have a bad extractor you have a bad extractor and and that's the way it is right and even if you have a bad extractor locking back ripping the mag rack 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 if it's truly a bad extractor nothing you can do about it anyway i did see in one class a glock truly had and it was an aftermarket extractor but it broke it that case was stuck in there we had to get a rod and everything else now it was an aftermarket extractor and an aftermarket barrel actually a lot of it was aftermarket i don't even know the frame i think was probably one of the only stock things on that so again say what you will about Glock Glock perfection until you start messing with it. Right. So sometimes we have to be realistic of some of that stuff. So, uh, I don't know, man, I know we've talked about malfunctions, but probably we should just add it to the to-do list. That may be a good winter topic because, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I need good videos to make in the winter. All right. Uh, Sean sent one. If I could pick any barrel in the whole world Rit, which Rainier barrel would it be and why? Uh, well, Rainier does not make pistol barrels yet, so I'm assuming we're talking about rifle. Now, hmm, that's a good one, Sean. That's a good one. Now, obviously, you would be thinking, I should just be talking about the Ultra Match, right? Well, if I want the most accuracy, but in my opinion, the Rainier barrels that are the best bang for buck, profile of weight versus performance, I love the match series. I, I like the profiles of them now that they're going to be offered in nitride. They're having new lengths come out. Uh, we have some 13 nines and all that other stuff coming soon. And I think those are the best overall bang for your buck. Now, if you want the the best, it's going to be an ultra match like this guy, but it's also thick. Now, some people like them thick, right? But it's thick. It's fluted. Now, this is going to be for a precision build, which is great for that purpose, but it's it's like a truck axle well maybe like a light truck axle so that would be one thing uh to consider but if i had to pick just one for a do all for whatever i would probably go with the match uh they're they're just great and all of the uh all of the rainier stuff that i've had has been just awesome uh, all right so you did clarify it is laser speed i have not played with this so it looks like a clone of a streamlight i'm not sure which exact model you're looking at maybe it was their i thought you said it was their Lam, right so laser sight let's see what they got here i will be up front man i've never played with the laser speed stuff it looks like it's probably foreign produced which uh is not necessarily always a bad thing because we have holosun that's made overseas but their their stuff is obviously pretty high quality so uh looking at rail mounts laser illuminator rifle laser, I'm assuming what we're looking at, like the FL five uses an 18650. It has a standard IR laser, IR light green laser and a 500 lumen light. I don't know. I, depending on what your use is. I mean, I don't know. I'm always a little leery of, uh, some stuff, but I would definitely, definitely check it out. So, uh, it is for PCSL and three gun. Oh, here's the deal you could try it and if it you know obviously in training it doesn't hold zero things like that but uh man. oh betting okay i'm sorry here we go betting was for a three gun yeah that makes sense i got gotcha. you and then for the laser speed uh there we go laser speed was m gabriel so that was that now i have not tra- tried the uh laser speed uh i would check out the holosun i have had holosun lasers and those have held zero just fine obviously the you know the high-end stuff Uh, Otherwise, the other new one that's coming to market is going to be from EOTech, the OGL, the on gun laser, which I just met with them at a show. And supposedly they're hoping quarter one for the LE full version and then quarter two for the civilian version. We'll see. But that would be the one I really want to check out with that slider and the ergonomics. I can't wait to check out the EOTech one. That's going to be the one that I want. Uh, All right. The SCS 320. I wish I could show it to you. Uh, It's on my carry C2. Like when I was carrying a C2 it's on there and I think it is ready for prime time. So, uh, I have not seen any reviews. I do need to shoot and edit mine, but it's been great. I really, really like it. It's honestly, it's one of my, uh, probably one of my favorite optics from Holosun, which is kind of saying a lot. I really like the EPS stuff, obviously, but that SCS 320, I don't think got enough credit, uh, for being a Delta point pro footprint, closed emitter, no batteries with that override bright function. Now, like it's been holding up just fine for me i really like it so if you have a native delta point pro cut slide it works really slick i i've been very very happy with it thus far so uh and i was actually just talking about the scs mos for a friend of mine who wants to add a dot and they're like i don't want to mess with it i don't want to worry about batteries like that's definitely one to check out so uh, i think it is duty ready man i uh that's a bold statement, bold statement, but it definitely could be, definitely could be. I should get that video out sooner than later. All right. We're caught up on comments for the moment. Let me switch back to emails here quick and make sure we're caught up. This might be a shorter one today if uh, we're getting caught up on emails and questions and everything like that. Uh, how would you set up a legitimate type three malfunction in class? This is back to Kevin. Uh, for common stuff that we see, the Shield, Ruger, LCP. Okay, I got you now. Yes, with some of those guns, ripping the magazine out is very difficult. I'm thinking like more of the duty type stuff. So with some of those, locking the slide to relieve the tension still might be absolutely necessary with some of that stuff, the Shield, the LCP, all that kind of thing. So I'm picking up what you're putting down now, man. So how I set some of that stuff up at class is we put a piece of brass in the chamber, we put around, uh, obviously, magazines, with rounds in them in, send the slide home. And then I actually kind of give it a whack with either back of my hand or like some of those smaller guns with sharp edges. You could use a rubber mallet, something like that to really actually create that tension that you need to do. Now with some of those smaller carry guns, they're gonna be a pain no matter what, because with some of those, that round is gonna start to dive in to the uh, feeding ramp and you're just gonna create a mess, right? You're gonna get a soup sandwich no matter what you do and it's just going to take sadly some time so where that's where people have to become familiar with all right how do i think i have immediate action or i have unload the gun reload the gun and that's kind of the way i teach stoppages in a nutshell is immediate action it went click I rack it. i move on and then we could debate about if the tap is there or not i still tap i know some instructors don't and they're like well if the gun was doing just fine the chance that the magazine became unseated is probably pretty slim Fair enough, but we've also seen magazines become unseated. So, with speaking of 2011, 1911 style guns, make sure you test your magazines and base pads if you're adding a magwell. And that, I guess, goes for any type of firearm because sometimes magwells can interfere with seating of the magazines depending on the base pad. So, but where was I? Man, I lost my train of thought. But moving back. Yes, we need to relieve the tension, rip and strip that magazine. Even for some of them, we have to push from the top to really kind of dislodge that. And then we're going to have to unload the gun, reload the gun going from there. So that's that's a great, great context. Thank you, Kevin. I should have continued to read your email with that. So I apologize for that. And then let's see here. How can we get the government instructors? You have a thing for government instructors, Kevin. I've noticed a theme, man. Uh, It might just be best for you to avoid government instructors. If you could eliminate them from your life, I feel like your life would be a lot less stressful. Um, What are some things? How do we get the government instructors to get beyond cognitive distance and... Threatening others when they are shown that they're or method. I, honestly, man, they should not be instructors. I we've talked about this before, and my answer stays the same. Not everybody deserves to be an instructor, and it sounds like some of the people that you've dealt with uh, definitely are in that camp. And it's sad on the you know lack of leadership for not identifying that to remove people from from those positions because not everybody deserves to deserves to be an instructor, right? I think you have to earn it. I uh, definitely think it's something that you have to earn, and it's something you have to maintain, and it's something you have to be on a continual quest. And like I've told people, uh, which was actually kind of funny. Uh, I had a, I was at a class, uh, Dustin and I went down to this class. Now it's been what, a couple of weeks. And one of my students that came through my red dot handgun class was in this class. And he was like, Hey, I saw your name. So we're taking this class together. And I was able to use that as an opportunity to reinforce what I teach in my classes, which is guys, seek education seek training when you stop learning you are stopping to better yourself so i was there as a student shooting online with him and you know i'm willing to put my money where my mouth is because number one i love learning from people who are smarter than me i love learning from anybody really um i love learning especially from people that are more knowledgeable and smarter than me because i want to suck in some of their knowledge but i just like going to classes i like to see how other people teach other methods other approaches And plus, it's always good just to get range time, right? But I'm a firm believer that if you are not learning on your own quest to better yourself, to better your craft, I call it the instructor craft mindset, you're really not doing a good job. And for some of those government instructors who go to their basic NRA firearms instructor class, and then they never do anything else, shame on them because they're doing themselves. But more importantly, they're doing their students a disservice. So if you are stuck in a method of like, it's my way or the highway, Man, not everybody is shaped like you. Not everybody has your experience. Not everybody has your equipment. Not everybody has your perception. You have to have different methods. Or the simple one that I like to say is what if somebody's just left-handed? Do all of the techniques that you show work for somebody that's left-handed? If not, what do we do for them? Because like 10% of people are left-handed, right? Or what if somebody has to become left-handed because they injured this hand? now what, right? So we got to be adaptable even for simple things like that. What are your thoughts on training? (laughs) Look at that. I didn't even time this. What are your thoughts on training full support side with handgun, shooter holding gun and weak and supported by strong hand? Any real need? Well, kind of. So funny you mentioned this uh, because obviously we just were literally talking about that. I took a basic pistol class. I'm a right-handed shooter, but I teach a good amount, at least I used to. And I teach left-handed people, or at least I used to, I'm trying to, uh, I'm I'm getting a little busy where I'm not having as much time to do teaching and stuff like that. But I went to a basic pistol class and I bought a left-handed, actually I had from a left-handed officer who left. So I had their holster and I set up a duty belt left-handed and I took the entire class left-hand shooting it as if I was left-handed because I wanted to learn what equipment works, what are the best techniques. So is there any real need Well, it depends. If you're an instructor and you want to become more proficient with how to teach left-handed people, then I think running left-handed stuff just makes sense because up until the Gen 4 Glocks, it was really set up for a right-handed shooter. So yeah, hit the mag release with your thumb. They couldn't do that. Okay. So they would hit it generally with their trigger finger Uh, or some of them would come around with their support side. Okay. But to tell them to hit it with their thumb, they couldn't. So we can't just tell them to do the opposite or do the mirrored version. So there's some some of those things that I think it does have legit legit training value. And by the end of that class, I was able to get pretty proficient with a left-handed draw, left-handed reloads to where even me shooting left-handed was shooting better than a lot of people in the class, regular handed, right? And then at the end of it, the instructor was like, oh, you're not left-handed? And I was like, no, but I wanted to take this because at first he could tell I was a little clumsy and he's kind of giving me the evil eye like what are you doing in here and then I kind of got better at it same thing with the rifle you know take a rifle class just just shooting it left-handed if you really want to vet gear and things like that now what most people should do is they should uh, train support hand or reaction hand only because there's a more likely I would say of your primary hand getting injured and now you have to start to do everything here and if this hand is injured you know it might not be able to support or do as much so that's kind of some context for uh support side training, weak hand training, whatever you want to call it. And I don't care if people call it strong hand, we hand, primary support, you know. I don't whatever. Just do what you do, man. Do what you do, right? All right. Now we're see, and this is the joys. The comments, they literally just disappeared. I don't know why they do that sometimes. Uh that was from mock what. And yes, uh SCS three twenty. That's what we were. We were talking about hey and uh Croak made the live, appreciate it. Good to see you, man. And I've been running one on a P226 for a couple months, yeah. So he's been running the SCS 320 and it's been working really good. And I agree, it's like a little tank, they're really, really built well. I actually kind of wish more of the SCS line would become closed emitters. I kind of wish with like with the Glock, for example. I love the concept of it, but I wish the window was a little bit bigger and I wish it wasn't closed. Like maybe the SCS MOS version two will start to take that because I think the SCS 320 is a better optic than the SCS on the Glock platform. So that's just kind of my opinion, my opinion with that. All right. What other questions you guys have? We're doing good. Again, if you want to see your question on the show and you're not able to make it live, go ahead and send your question and or comment into the email address shown on the screen. That is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. .com. All right, let's uh, do a quick check in on other comments, make sure that we're doing good here, which I believe we are. Perfect. All right, let's give a quick shout-out to Global Ordnance. And I don't know why the logo is not loading, but this is just how life goes with live streams, right? So I know a lot of people listen to this via podcast, so not a big deal. But the supporter of the show is Global Ordnance. And right now, ammo is becoming tougher and tougher to get due to worldwide conflict, due to domestic shortages and increased demand. Right now, guys, is the time. If you're thinking about stockpiling a little bit for training, for upcoming practice, for competition, I would definitely consider you know, looking at investing in making some brass and lead storage available to you. Now, I get all of my ammo from Global Ordnance. They take great care of me. They will take good care of you. They'll take great care of you, actually. If you use code Ammo, you're going to get free shipping on all orders over 200. I'll have links in the show notes, but they have all the stuff that you know and love from the major brands, but they also import a lot of good quality ammunition. Even their steel-cased ammo is awesome, which is crazy, who would have ever thought that Dave would have said steel-cased ammo cuz this isn't your this isn't your cheap uncle's wolf and tula. This is like polished, really nice, almost nickel-looking casing from Sterling and it shoots great. It's reliable, it runs clean, and it's just awesome priced and available. So, check out all of the different ammo from Global Ordnance. They'll take awesome care of you. They ship right out of their Florida, so it's a little bit longer to get to the West Coast, but uh yeah, they're going to be They're going to be rock solid. And again, they take good care of us. They are supplying the prize for this month's winner as well. All right, let's see here. Uh, Trevor is popping in. Thanks for coming in, Trevor. Tell me again about the red dot you should should get for the 43X, and that would be the EPS Carry. Uh, EPS Carry. We'll have to modify the MOS posts a little bit. But EPS Carry, it's a nice enclosed emitter with a side-mounted battery. It's compact. It's slim. That's what I have on my 43X. And that's what I would do. And in fact, Trevor, I have one for you. So we just got to get you to come over here and put everything together. So that's the one I would do. Also, who is your favorite worker and why is it Sean? Mock what 11? Who are you? You need to provide your actual name because this is a trap. I have no favorites. I despise them all equally. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Uh, No, I am very fortunate. I have a great team that I work with. Uh, super good dudes. So I feel like this is a trap. Now Mach 11 are you Sean? Is that you? I don't know. Is that, I don't know what you drive. So I don't know if this Mustang is yours or not, but I'll have to do some digging. Maybe some of the other uh, Rainier guys can give me some intel. All right. This is from Croak used up all of that 200 Bellum from uh, Global. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Uh, Croak was a previous winner and they sent him some freedom seeds because that's what Global does they're they're just great uh, it does need to be a Delta point Pro footprint absolutely yep so if uh, the SCS320 is Delta point Pro footprint which does fit a lot of the sigs now with the pro cut obviously it fits uh some of the other staccatos natively I don't know there's a few others that have Delta Point Pro native stuff the only downside is if it's just milled for the Delta point Pro is that a backup site? But what I used on my Staccato C2 is I used the EOTech Flex Plate, which is also Delta Point Pro footprint, whereas the Delta Point has its own little backup site built in, which is uh, good enough. But for that, you might have to think about a different backup site situation. So that's what I got for you guys. Gents, we've been going on for just about 50 minutes, and I'm caught up on comments, and I believe I'm caught up on emails. So this might be last call. So you guys tell me if we're doing good or not. Uh, If you have any questions or you want to keep talking, what was something else I did want to talk about? What was it? I don't know. I just got back from uh, a trade show and I got to see some of the new stuff that's coming out at SHOT, which is pretty cool. And uh, I'll I'll tell you a a few of the trends that I saw. And so none of this is like secret. There's some stuff I can't talk about. Uh, There's other stuff I can. But one of the things that we're going to definitely... Oh, it is Sean. I knew it. Uh, Yeah, so Sean... I didn't know you have a Mustang. That's pretty cool. Is that like, uh, I don't even know. Is that a 5.0? I I don't even know what they put in Mustangs anymore. I'm not a car guy. But um, hey, Philip says, hi from Malawi. Malawi? Malawi? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Love the channel. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Love having you get with me. And if you have any questions, sound off in the comments there. Uh, So the trade show. The trend, I think, is going to be, Double stack 1911s. There's more and more companies coming out with those. In fact, one such company is Jacob Gray. I just dropped a first look video on that the other day when the embargo date was up. And that's a 425 gun. And uh, that's kind of geared more towards the carry market with that aluminum grip. And we'll do more of a focused review on that once I have a little bit more rounds through it. We'll kind of tear it down and see what's going on under the hood as far as what parts, things like that. And yeah, we're getting to the point of saturation, uh, which is definitely something to consider right so Jacob Gray is one that hits the market Uh, Voodoo came out with theirs earlier this year the priest which I love that pistol I do have a review coming out on that I got to just shoot and get edited I have all the range footage and uh, live fire experience I just got to record the talking head portion but yeah we are starting to get some saturation where the market is going to become you know basically pretty flooded and here's why it's just like the AR market after the assault weapons ban in 2004 Everybody was like, man, people are buying ARs. We need to have an AR. So you had all these companies that, sadly, a lot of which are no longer in existence. And I have a feeling we're going to start to see that with double stack pistols. Now, the downside with a, a 1911 or a double stack is that it's not just a slap parts together type of gun. There does need to be some fitting and, more importantly, quality machining to make sure that timing, lockup, all that other stuff. Is how it should be, and that's why custom gunsmiths charge five, six, seven thousand dollars for high end custom 1911s is because they have those things tuned and timed so well that the guns just shoot soft and they're able to be reliable at the same time. Now, you have good quality production houses like Staccato that has their machining tolerances so tight and their quality control and quality assurance really, really solid to where they can put out a good quality gun for that mid-two price point. But then we also have seen other guns struggle, like Tall You Out Prodigy, where they came out with that $1,500, and they had a lot of quality control issues because of tolerances all over the place, sloppy parts, things like that, and there was reliability issues. Now, the other gun that I am really excited uh, to check more out, and I have a pre-production version, is uh, the EAA 2311, because those are going to be sub-thousand. Now, is there MIM parts in there? Yep, there is. That's how they keep the price down. But it runs. I'm going to get one of their four and a quarter guns coming in. I have their 3.5. It's like a a hybrid commander with a full-size grip, but it it runs. So I think there's going to be more options coming out with that. And yeah, so uh, speaking of which, uh, you're still waiting for SIG. Okay. There's going to be a lot of companies, some of which I, most of which I cannot talk about, but think of big companies that make 1911s, big companies that make 1911s. Why wouldn't they come out with a double stack? So you know, it's coming shot show. There's going to be more stuff coming out. Uh, Well-priced, mid-priced. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. There's just going to be more and more offerings, kind of like companies that you'd swear would never make an AR that maybe were known for like lever guns and semi-auto rimfire guns. Just saying. All right. Are we going to see the stealth arms platypus or the Oracle anytime on the channel soon? Uh, the stealth arms. Yes. I actually took that to a class, got some more rounds through it, let a bunch of people shoot it. And I have to say that thing is a freaking laser beam, like literally a laser beam. Dustin, are you, did you make it in yet? Dustin, maybe he's working today and we're running a little late. Uh, so at the end of class, I had a bunch of mags still loaded up, extra magazines, because uh, people make fun of how I say mags, uh, especially in that platypus video, actually. And oh, where was I? Okay, platypus. So I had some extra magazines loaded, and I was like, hey, I want to go shoot these up you know, before we're at lunch break, and we, then we're about to go to the classroom section. And I'm starting to shoot, and we're at about 18 or so yards, uh, right around there. And I'm shooting my little one-inch pasters. And we're either hitting or dancing right around it with the platypus and I was like wow that thing just shoots laser beam so then we bumped back to the 25 and I was like I'm gonna go for the head box and my goal was to just hit the three by five or whatever it was head box at 25 yards which is really really respectful shooting right and the group that I printed at 25 yards I had one flyer but even if we took that flyer I would be proud of that group but the group at 25 yards was the best probably Ever, I have shot at 25 yards with that platypus. Now, I don't know if the stars were aligned. I was warmed up. I was in the middle of class. The weather was good. My grip was good. I had the right ammo that that gun liked at the time. I don't know, okay? But man, that thing was a freaking laser beam, and it's been reliable. I let a lot of people handle it. Uh, the grip is a little different because it's a little bit more boxy, and I wish the grip was a little bit more aggressive, which they are working on a more aggressive, you know, grip module, but. For a hybrid that takes all the things that we know and love about the 1911, adds Glock magazine compatibility, I like it. I'm not going to lie. Spoiler alert. I like it. So yes, you will see a review on that soon. And the thing just... For the money, man, the only bad thing I say about them right now is they're in high demand and... There's a reason why. So uh, I would definitely look forward to the Platypus coming soon and the Oracle. Supposedly, according to them, I was like number three or four on their media list. So I got to hound them and figure out where I'm at. Uh, I did get to shoot it at TriggerCon and it shot really well. It felt like a different gun than what I handled at SHOT Show. It felt much more refined, much more evolved how it should. So I'm hopefully you know, hopefully going to get one soon to kind of check out. So uh, yeah, DeGrawl. There you go. You have a platypus over 5 months. Yeah, isn't it awesome? Like it's it's great. And yes, mags, like bags and tags and kegs and I don't know. I don't I don't know how everybody else says mags. Is it with a long a, mags or mags or mugs, you know? Like syrup, but I say mags and it's just what it is. And people love to make fun of me for it. So magazines. In the next video I'm just going to call them clips but we'll see how that goes over. That'll probably be what I get known for. All right, guys, we're at an hour. I want to make sure we don't just drone on and on and on. I have to make these consumable, especially for the podcast crowd, which speaking of which, you can get this wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, all that stuff, because we use some service that does all that. Uh, Make sure you check out the website. We're trying to update that more and more. It's just kind of me running the website now with another um, very casual person. Our part-time employee is no longer with us. Got busy. uh, Stuff you know, kind of changes, evolves, so we're trying to do that and we're trying to make more and I'm going to be trying to make more regular video content as well. Uh, I know it's been a really tough year. My full-time gig this year has been more demanding of me and with travel and everything else. So I haven't had as much time to dedicate. Like when I first left LE to do mainly, it was supposed to be this, right? Um, I was doing a video a week, if not two, and it was awesome. The channel was growing. Views were up supporters, like everything was going great. And then my, um, my boss basically shifted me over to a different part of this of company with Rainier. And it's like, I haven't had the, as much bandwidth to do videos and, and content, but I'd like to get back to it because I love doing it. I love this. I love sharing knowledge. I love reviewing stuff, you know, so it definitely works out. And I got some cool stuff to review too coming up. So got some really cool suppressors. Replicator um, has some additive manufactured stuff. I'm going to hopefully pick up the new Huxworks, uh, their mul- removable core chemo compatible version. Um, who else? Radical has the, I believe it's called the LS5. Uh, again, an additive manufactured suppressor that looked really cool. I'm hopefully going to get one of those to check out. So right now I got to get some other double stack guns out that it's in the queue. Uh, I got the Holosun EPS, the Leupold 1-6, to which is way overdue. They're probably really mad at me. Sorry, Skipper, if you're watching this. And then uh, yeah, I probably should do a Dusk as well. Like the Rainier exclusive Dusk 19R. Uh, I have to get uh, the barrel. I have a regular Dusk but i would like to you know definitely talk about the rainier version more a little bit so i got to shoot it in you know a little bit of the development side but i like to run some more rounds through it what else do i got uh, i got a pristine bolt action that i'm going to be building up um trying to think what else um yes i so i do have some fm15 uppers keep an eye out for that a3 bolt pup i will check that out i i know the guys at fm and they're pretty solid, easy to work with. I never did get uh, their, what was their AK hybrid thing called? What was that? They had it at SHOT Show. And it, I believe it, man, I want to say it took 762 by 39 AK mags and it had folding stock. It was like the MR something. That thing looked pretty cool. I never did end up getting one of those. But uh, I also have some PCC stuff coming out. I have a uh, BNT APC 9 Pro. I have a Strybog. I'm going to do a short video on like modernizing an MP5 because I still love the MP5 and I did get some parts to upgrade for that. So that'll kind of be a basic video. Uh, I have a luggage video that it's in the works. I've been traveling a lot and I have over 130 flights with my Yeti luggage. and I don't see a lot of good Yeti luggage reviews. So that'll kind of be more of a mainstream video. I guess a little bit behind the curtain for you guys is sometimes you ask like, why are you making a video about? this, because it's non-gun related, like the the off-the-range stuff, like with the side-by-side or some of the woods stuff or whatever. And that some of it is I just want to be more uh, picked up by different search terms, right? And a lot of people who into good quality luggage might be into guns so they'll watch the video and if they like guns they'll subscribe or if they watch the side by side content and they also like guns they'll subscribe but they might just watch the side by side content and like that or whatever so it just kind of like multiple funnels to get people to you know come and watch and grow the channel so that's kind of you know basically what they're doing uh yeah and they got their ranch rifle lower wood stock to mate yeah and there was another company uh, well there is another company that's working on wood ar furniture i saw at the show that it was in an early stage, but I think it has some potential. So if you're interested in that. And then uh, Fight Light has their lever AR stuff, which I think for band states would be really cool. And I, I, I don't even am restricted. I'm not restricted by band stuff. But I think a lever action AR in 300 blackout would just be cool because it would take AR mags. You can get a short barrel version lever action so it's you don't have to worry about cycling or anything like that and you can get subs with a suppressor so it's not overly long like i'm gonna build one of those for sure so i think that'd be pretty awesome too what else is in the works i have a whole bunch of stuff in the works but it's always something nighthawk i'll probably do uh, i gotta get a video out on my nighthawk like you know custom gun worth it that kind of thing and then maybe over the winter we'll do some how-to's so feel free to email in all right guys I think that's going to do it. We're caught up. We've been going on an hour. I don't want to keep droning on and on and on. I'm going to go ahead and throw up the rules while we go ahead and pick our prize winner. This is the rules for the QA. And again, thanks to our sponsor Global Ordnance. Global Ordnance takes good care of everybody with a prize as well as me by supplying all of our ammo, which really helps us make content. Ammo is one of the most expensive consumables that we have to deal with. So it is a uh, definitely something we have to you know really really show our appreciation for global ordinance is awesome they do a great job can't thank them enough for their support they are free uh shipping for orders over 200 if you use our code they'll take good care of you plus they are supplying the prize now art i did not ever uh pick up a matador but i should put that to the list because every time i go to a show i see them there so that's a, a one i need to add all right random number generator or random comment selection it's croak Croak, uh, did you win previously? When did you win last? You did. So, Croak might not be eligible. Croak, can we get a quick confirmation if you are eligible? Because the rules state if you won uh 12 month period, we're trying to spread the love. So, Croak, I believe you won within the previous 12 month period per there, one prize per 12 months, which I believe Croak is because I don't think Global's been a sponsor for that long yet. So I might have to pick another comment. I'm sorry, Croak. That's where we're at. All right, shuffle the comments. (laughs) No, I'm not eligible. This is the one that came up, though, is when me finally got things going, but I'm not going to give it to me. All right, one more time. We're going to shuffle the comments, and I'm going to stop the random dart board. Nope, you're not eligible either, Sean. Oh, my gosh. This is the worst episode for giving away a prize ever. I can't give it to myself. Croak was ineligible. um, And, Sean, you're ineligible because that's not fair to everybody else. We just need more. uh, Yeah, and Croak, thank you for being honest. I appreciate that, man. That's what I like about you, okay? That's what I like about you. I can't give away a prize to save my life here today. All right. Random comment again. Boom looks like it's going to be mitten state defense mitten i'm not sure where what state is the mitten state but mitten state defense if you can go ahead here's what you got to do mitten state defense you have 30 days to email me send an email to the qa at gunsandtactics.com and we'll go ahead and make sure we get you your prize uh, so message us do something kind of show us a screenshot that it is really you And we can make sure that, you know, obviously you are who you say you are and we can, you know, kind of go through everything and we'll get you a prize sent out courtesy of Global Ordinance. Again, make sure you send your questions to the QA at GunsAndTactics.com if you can't make the live show. Otherwise, follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. And we go live at the end of every month answering your questions and uh this november i'm actually going to be taking a little bit of a vacation through the thanksgiving so it um i might we'll see what we do the live it might be that last friday which i want to say is around like the 30th i I should be back so i'll definitely be maxed and relaxed and uh we can kind of go from there so all right, congrats, MSD from Croak, and uh, DTOM is testing. We got your test loud and clear. So I think that's going to do it for this episode, dudes. I'm going to go ahead and smile quick for my thumbnail. There we go. See, this is what I have to do. I have to take a screenshot and all that stuff, and we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Again, like, share, subscribe. You can get this wherever you get your podcasts or watch it online. We do it live on YouTube and Facebook. Check out the web page. Thank you guys very much for watching, and have a great day.